clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Doc, it's hey. the grand season finale. Woo! Are you feeling good? Are you feeling happy that it's coming to an end that you won't see me every week? Or are you in the middle or are you really sad that you're I mean, not going to be seeing me I feel every like, week? I feel like distance helps us appreciate different things at times. And so I, I feel like the distance is warranted for a brief period. So I can really reflect upon how valuable you are to me, Jeremiah. And we're back, folks. This is the grand season finale of the University of Pleasure season two. Can you believe it's been two seasons, Doc? I cannot. I can't. I, cannot. I really just, I, honestly, I can't either. Genuinely. Like when we started yeah. this way back in 2019 over dinner and talking about our feelings very openly. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about the dinner in which you told me you were lactose intolerant and then I watched you wolf down a trace light chase cake with no regard for consequences? Is that, that would be it. And that's why I'm saying I showed you my true inner self. <laughs> There are so many things I should have really understood based on that one behavior, but yeah. <laughs> yes, but it is our season finale, and I am sad to see an end. I love doing this. I look forward to it every week uh, because I love seeing you. And, of course, I love seeing who is here. Dun, 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 dun. Greg, our correspondent yeah! who goes nowhere but is here for us. Gregory. It's me. Yes. What's up? <laughs> What's what up, baby? Good to see you. You know, it was getting to the point where we were looking forward to season three because then you would actually be able to be the roving correspondent instead of the correspondent that goes nowhere. And then Omicron. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can't believe this. I'm like, oh, God. And Maybe we have to, like, buy him some, like, virtual experiences or, like, you know, send him boxes of things. I'm going to get you like a, a triple horn gas mask like Darth Vader and send you out in, <laughs> or, like, the boy in the bubble, like, send you out inside your bubble there we go. to talk to people. People will feel super safe around him. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Well, everyone will talk to me because they'll feel bad that I'm in a bubble. That's exactly right. They'll be like, oh, he's one of those poor boys. <laughs> Oh, he's a bubble boy. He's a bubble we boy. <laughs> well, we're excited to have you back. We're going to throw a topic at you, and then we're going to do my least favorite part of the season, which is the doc's favorite part of the season. And, of course, you are her evil henchman here to rib me for can Jeremiah remember anything from these past episodes? So the fact that you don't even remember what the segment is called does not bode well because it is our segment was Jeremiah listening. That Come is the on. title of the segment. So <laughs> one point lost already, Jeremiah. Come on. All right. All right. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. In my defense, you know, I have a disease that comes from my mother that has to do with names and things like that. And and it's it I, I struggle with it. So That's it's not fair. Real. That's you're right. I apologize. And. We did send it, and when I say we, I did send it to you in writing. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the point. <laughs> I think the bigger point is that it's always the mother's fault. That's no. right. It is my mother's fault. Okay, so we're back here. Really quick announcement about announcements. Doc. Yeah. New podcast. Whole new show that I'm not in. <laughs> I'm okay with it. I'm fine with it. Yes. I, I don't care that I wasn't invited. It doesn't matter to me. But uh, this is a new show that is going to be under the University of Pleasure umbrella, starring the doc and my dearest and closest friend, Laura Rademacher. 
So why don't you tell us a little bit about it again, Doc? I know you did last week, but give us a little bit more. Yeah, the the wonderful Laura Rademacher has been a guest on here a few times. Laura is an amazing uh, marriage and family therapist and sex therapist, and she's been on here and talked about consent and kink and other really interesting, engaging topics. And Laura and I have a pod, a new podcast through the University of Pleasure called Sex Therapist Shoot the Shit. And it is literally very self-explanatory. It is Laura and I, and hopefully in the future, between the two of us, we know a lot of sex therapists, literally, hope, hopefully, always a new guest with us, shooting the shit. Just casual conversation with some sex therapists. Okay, and I just want to be very clear. This show is the flagship show. So look at it like an ABC television, okay? We're going to conquer the world with the University of Pleasure, Doc. So the University of Pleasure is the umbrella, and... The Shoot the Shit show is underneath that umbrella like Peacock. Great. Good. Those are I, I just want I listen, I want to get it right for the fans. Yeah, Greg has a question. Yes, Greg. I mean, if it is a true university of pleasure, there should be different curriculum available, right? right? So yes. so I think maybe this is just another course that yep. is available from the university. Yeah. Which doesn't make this primary course any less popular because <laughs> everyone needs the base course before they can advance to the next level course. I feel like- Wait a minute, whoa, 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 Greg, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> I feel like Greg has second. just gotten to the quick of maybe the bigger issue, which is Jeremiah being worried that he's gonna be replaced. Whoops. No, I'm not, I'm not, it's, again, this doesn't worry me. I'm not worried about being replaced. Uh, I just wanna, you know, I asked you last week for clarification that this was the flagship show and you w waffled on it a little bit. You were like, yes, yeah, like, maybe, and I don't know. I didn't get a definitive answer out of that. And now, now Greg's saying that I'm the base level course and that this yep. is a higher the level of course? all of this, if, if people don't take this course, they can't take any of the <laughs> other ones. Uh, oh, my God. You're like, just making you know it worse. Let's, let's workshop. We'll have more of these as business dialogues off air. Shall we do that? All right. Fine. 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 So, please, everyone, our millions of fans out there, tune in to the University of Pleasure's newest podcast under our umbrella, which is Sex Therapist Shoot the Shit. These are two rock star sex therapists who are going to sit down, very casual. It's going to be coming out once a month. We're going to do some lead ups for it. So keep your ears tuned in and we're going to keep on rocking from there. But first, we've got to do our finale episode of season two before we start season three with a whole new show. And here is that topic today. Resolution pollution. New year. Same old fear. The challenge of putting action behind your intentions. Your best intentions. Oh, my God. I mean, really? Do I have to go back? Yep. <sighs> All right. Hang on, everybody. I'm going to do it again. <clears throat> Resolution pollution. New year, same old fear. The challenge of putting action behind your best intentions. Better, Doc. Are you happy? It was, it was great. Thank you. Jesus. I spend a really long time writing these titles. All right. <laughs> it's one word. Okay. Yes, she does. And they are always brilliant. What the hell are we talking about in this topic, please? Well, we're talking about <laughs> so aggressive. It, it, it kind of sounds like we're talking about every year how people make their New Year's resolutions, but that sometimes we get bogged down with all of these multiple resolutions that we're doing with the best intentions of improving ourselves, that we actually end up defeating the purpose of doing the resolution in the first place. So uh, what you're saying is that being part of the base level course yeah. that we're doing right now for the University of Pleasure, to, I'm, I'm with it. Okay. okay. All right. That's fine. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll revisit the base level dialogue later, Jeremiah. Um, no, it's fine. Let's just jump in. I'm jumping to the topic. Yes. So this like, so this topic, I think, is just, it's timely, right? Like, this is the time of year that people start to think about goals for next year. And also, you know, like, culturally, we've created this idea of, like, the New Year's resolution. And, you know, I think it's just a time of year that people, like, reflect on, like, the year prior and what they want to change. And a lot of times people set a lot of intentions and 
to your point, Greg, I think what's really tricky is a lot of times people can set a lot of really good intentions and have best intentions and then struggle to really follow through with those things. And that struggle to follow through can often make people feel really bad. Sometimes it can create relational distress because people are like, you said you were going to do this thing. Happens a lot with sex. <laughs> you yeah, said you were, yeah, I would agree with that. You said you were going to do this thing or you were going to work up into doing this thing and then you didn't do this thing. And so like, I just wanted, while we still got a little platform here before the new year, it I thought it would just be timely to talk a little bit about best intentions and new year okay. resolution. All right. So how do we then take thought and action are two different things, right? So how do we how do we take those and 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 combine them, right? So the thought becomes action or the uh, the action is a part of it. You follow what I'm saying here? Yeah. I mean like so I think essentially it's like why why is this a problem, right? Like one of the to your point, yeah, thought and action are two different things, but you know, it's really easy to say that you're going to do a thing and it's easy to want to do a thing, but actually doing a thing is a completely, completely different task. And I mean that very literally, like for your mind, it is a different task. Like our brains love patterns. And they love, it's why breaking a habit is so hard, right? Like literally from a neurological perspective, our brain enjoys doing the same old thing. It's less work. It is, our brains are designed to be the most efficient machines possible. Really? Okay. I mean, okay. so like. Listen, mine is ticking along. Mine <laughs> is about as efficient as they come. Because when I say I'm doing something, I go and do it. I don't even think about it. I just do it. Most of the time I don't think about it. I just do things. And then for me, they become habits. And so I'm I feel ahead of the curve a little bit here. I'm gonna then a baseline. I'm gonna take a sound cut of like the sound bite of I don't think about things. I just do them. And I'm just <laughs> Just gotta do it. Oh, that's you just gotta do. Isn't that what Yoda says? Yeah. Um well I think that just in general, because our brains like to take sort of the easier route. This isn't even about us as people and what we have conscious awareness into all the time, right? Like our brains are having this whole experience that we don't have conscious awareness of, right? And so, you know, the brain likes to do what it likes to do. And so when you go to change a habit, which is usually what intentions are about, right? Intentions are usually about trying to change something, trying to do something different. And as someone that works in the business of change, I can tell you, like, I have lots of people that step in and sit in my office and they say, I want to change A, but like the how of getting there about implementing mm -hmm. that change is a totally different story and requires a lot of different things. And it's much more complex. And I, I can fix this right now. If you just, from what I have read in some workout magazines, like men's health and stuff, if you just like, if you want to change your diet, you just got to do it for two weeks and then, and then it becomes a habit. That's what I read from uh, an unverified source. So I'm thinking that is probably true to everything we're talking about. Would you agree? That it, yeah, Greg, feel this. <laughs> uh, I may feel that that may be a little simplified in theory. Um, I mean, diet may be one thing, but if we are hooking this back up to some sort of emotional relationship issues that we're trying to change, then I feel that, you know, there are more complexities, as the doc always likes to highlight, and a little more nuances rather than, hey, I can just go to the grocery store and only buy these ingredients and therefore keep only this in my house. So I have nothing left to eat except what I have already stated will be the change in my diet. It's did you read the same article I read? Did you read the same article I read? Because it sounds very similar. I think it, it did. does. Men's health and fitness changing the world right now. <laughs> well, no disrespect to men's health and fitness, uh, but sometimes people struggle to even approach the first day of two weeks, right? Like you're talking about, yeah, if you just, I hate the word just, it, it drives me crazy. I hate the word just. If you just do two weeks of a thing, then it'll be easier. Yeah, great. Awesome. How do you get to that first day? How do you get to stacking two days? How do you deal with it when you fail on day three and you feel like a loser because you couldn't even stack three days in a row? How do you get back up and keep going? There's a whole lot of complexity that that's really complex, like that's really difficult for people. And 
you know, there's this sort of bi-directional issue, which is people want to change and they often have best intention to change. And they often set super unrealistic goals in terms of what change is going to look like. And we tend to do that as, as humans. There's a ton of research out there on all these different biases we have as people and biases, meaning like things that are, like I said, your brain's having a whole experience that sometimes you're not aware of. And a bias, like one of the biases is that as a human species, we tend to drastically, drastically overestimate our ability, uh, especially if we are uh, thinking about something that we don't really have a skill set in yet. So I'll give you an example, right? When I think, when I bought a guitar, okay, <laughs> I'll use myself. When I bought a guitar, I looked at that guitar and I was like, I'm going to be, able, I'm just going to practice. I'm just going to practice and I'm going to be able to like wail like slash on that guitar, right? Hell yes, right? Doc. Except one of the biases that I have is like, I've never played guitar. So I have no actual working knowledge of how hard it is to learn how to play guitar. And so it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? In psychology, it's a very famous, and there's a couple different angles of it, but- uh, And Dunning-Kruger has nothing to do with-, with uh, Freddy Krueger? Uh, well, that too, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. All right, continue, please. <laughs> no, uh, but it's an effect, right? Like there, there's- more complex sort of dialogue around it, but like a, a piece of the Dunning-Kruger effect is this idea that like, you know, there are certain things that we have bias, we overestimate our ability in them because we literally don't have enough expertise in that area to make accurate assumptions about how much work it'll take or how much we don't know. It's kind of the idea of like, you don't know how much you don't know until you learn more, right? So like that happened in school when I got my doctor. Whoa, whoa, slow that down. Back that up a little bit, Ghost Rider. What are you talking about? Say that again. So you don't know what you don't know until you learn more. So, for example, when I, I got a master's and a doctorate, when I got my master's, I thought I knew a lot. And then I started going to classes for my doctorate. And I was like, holy shit, I don't know anything. Right? <laughs> because I started learning a lot more that made me realize like, oh, there's all these sort of gaps in things that I, because there's always more to learn, right? Well, that's so weird. I don't feel that way. I don't, I don't ever feel that way. Which way? That ever, there is more to learn? learn. <laughs> so I just, you know, when you're saying things like, like, wow, I really didn't know anything. I'm like, no, I pretty much got it. Like, I don't ever have that like sense of whoa, whiplash, you know? And then if you just followed my path and, and met up with someone like you who's a badass, you would have been on your way right now to having like a certificate over a weekend to be a, uh, you know, personal helper to people like I do here on this podcast. What? <laughs> uh, you mean, you mean like your guru ship that you, yeah, that you have attained? That's exactly correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -oh. So what's interesting, Jeremiah, is this is a really good example of the Dunning-Kruger effect. <laughs> okay. Okay. In which, I don't know what it means, in which somebody, but okay. In which somebody overestimates their ability because they haven't gained enough knowledge or sort of experience to realize that they are not, they don't actually have as, as much knowledge as they think they do. Does that make sense? Okay. I'm humble enough to hear what you're saying. Greg, are you following and me? take it on board. I am following okay. you. Um, I'm also Greg, following you. Greg, please interpret for our audience. I'm sorry, say again? I said you can interpret for our audience. Uh, I, no, I, I think Jeremiah um, perhaps has hit a full capacity of knowledge. 100%. There it is. More than content in the amount of knowledge he has obtained and therefore ready now to help everyone else reach that level of nirvana that he has found in himself. 100%. Right. It is nirvana. It is 100% nirvana. I'm smart enough to know what I don't know to not know what I don't know. Oh, my God. And that what I don't know doesn't bother me. Cool. So we'll move on. <laughs> 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 Maybe by the end of the show, we will have a new effect called the Jeremiah effect. Right. Well, and hey, I'm willing to take that on board. Right. I already have, you know, 
a doctor named a, a, an eye condition after me called Jeremiah's Birdshot Retinopolis. So we could have a whole new thing here. I'm totally fine. Jeremiah's Nirvana platform. <laughs> so while I appreciate your Nirvana, part of what you're talking about also impacts, like it's it's part of this dialogue, right? Like I appreciate that you're having Nirvana, but sometimes that lack of awareness is also what causes us to over, and I mean all of us, this is something we all struggle with in varying areas of our life, to overestimate, like my guitar example, to overestimate our abilities and how much work something is gonna take. If you would have asked me to estimate how much practice I would need to practice to learn a song, the estimate that I would have given you prior to learning anything about guitar would be much different than the estimate I would give you after learning something about the guitar, right? Sure, that makes sense. I'm with you. So that's really all I'm talking about is like we really tend to overestimate our abilities and underestimate how much time or how much work or how difficult a certain change might be, even some of the simplest things. So as a result, this is something that often can make people feel really bad because then they go to try to do a thing and they've way overestimated or like overestimated their capacity for it or their ability for it and then it doesn't happen and then they feel bad and then they have a hard time and that's demotivating. The other I understand this completely. I have yeah. three guitars. I can't play any of them. <laughs> but they look really great hung up yeah. on my walls. Ew, they're beautiful art pieces. They are. They're gorgeous. So I'm with you, Doc. I totally understand this. Now. I would say that a lot of exercise equipment and musical instruments that people own and their robust representation on Craigslist would suggest something to this <laughs> like kind of <laughs> what we're talking about, right? Like, probably. Absolutely. But the other thing that often people forget about is that sometimes, like, when you set an intention, you don't always like you don't have a crystal ball and sometimes life also gets in the way. So sometimes what's really hard to like estimate or think about when you're trying to set a goal is like what other life stressors might interfere or might create, you know, difficulties. So, for instance, let's say somebody in the new year is like, I'm going to diet. OK, but then also during that time, maybe a loved one gets ill and they have to take care of them or they have some stressors associated with that willpower, let's say someone wants to diet and that would require some willpower, right? Like not eating certain things or whatever. Willpower is not this infinite resource. It's a finite resource. We have all these studies. You put two people in two separate groups of room, like uh, rooms, one group, if you stress them out and, you know, like put it, let's say you put two tables of food, they're the exact same tables of food with healthy choices and neutral and then unhealthy choices. And you got two rooms of people, same exact table of food. One room is really stressed out and hasn't slept very much and the other room super kept relaxed and super, you know, like kind of cozy and whatnot, which group of people do you think makes the worst nutrition choices or eats more? I totally, you know what? I totally hear what you're saying here and, you know, kind of hits home. You know, we lost uh, my wife's mom not too long ago, right? And, you know, I had all the best intentions of like just keeping on working out, but there was a lot of heartache and a lot of stress that goes along with that, Right. And uh, so I wasn't really able to stick to my diet the way that I would have liked to, right? So I think I'm with you. I think yeah. I'm hearing this. I'm, yeah. I get it. And life does get in the way. I say that a lot to people. I'm like, you know, it's, it's no big deal, man. Life gets in the way sometimes. And got to forgive yourself. I forgave myself with three guitars. So, <laughs> you know, forgiveness is key. Right. And, and it, these are the reasons, right, that like these are the things and many other things, but these are some of the main things that can kind of be like, why do we set intentions and then why is it so hard to keep them? Yes, Greg. Sure, sure. Greg's well, raising his hand. I mean, I feel that like what we're what everyone does with the new year and the whole New Year's resolution kind of thing is they set their own intentions. But to the point where if we're overestimating our abilities, like people are setting intentions, but then they're not asking for help to change. So what makes, you know, so it kind of leads into the fact that like, if we understand that we are overestimating our own abilities, that we go to someone that has the expertise. So as part of the plan, shouldn't we, before we ever set an intention, make sure that we have a resource available to help us follow through with this intention? I mean, that's something that can be helpful, right? Because uh, one of the things that can be helpful in keeping your goals is accountability. And part of what accountability or like external sort of like talking through your goals with someone else, and that doesn't necessarily need to be a therapist, but other people is because other people might be able to go, 
you know, like, let's say someone wants to, you know, like, cause a lot of new year's goals tend to be about fitness, but like, let's say that somebody's like, I want to get in better shape. You know, you go and see a personal trainer. They might be like, Oh, you haven't ran in, you know, seven years and you want to run five miles. Maybe let's start with one, you know, like they <laughs> might to your point, right. Like help kind of maybe generate more realistic goals for where you're at versus where you ideally want to be and help. So to your point, that can be really helpful, but I have a, if, I don't know if this is time for a break. I have a whole list of maybe some things to think about, though, to do this a little bit more effectively. You know what, Doc? Your break suggestion was premature okay. because the second half of this episode is my least favorite part of the year. It's so all. <laughs> let's get these good thoughts in. Okay. Then we'll take a break for the second part of the episode. Okay. All right. Well, great. Um, so some things to do. Jeremiah, you actually said, said the word about like forgiving yourself, right? Like this idea and you you might hear people talk about it a fair amount but like one I would just of the... like to say she said i said the word nirvana right there boom oh, okay great um but i think one of the things that's important is kind of like the acknowledgement of our own humanity as well as the humanity of others right if you're kind of hanging your hat on a goal that somebody else has set you know or you're because the reality is like trying to be compassionate with yourself or somebody else around this idea that like change is hard and change takes time. And that doesn't mean you can't ever expect change, but being able, like there's a, a lot of times when I talk to people about building some self-compassion for like that something's going to take time, a lot of people misconstrue self-compassion for like making excuses. Gotcha. And, and to me, these are different things. Self-compassion is about, it doesn't mean you don't try to hold yourself responsible. It doesn't mean that you don't keep trying. It means that you do both. You say, well, I wanna do this thing and I wanna find ways to do this thing and I know that maybe I even need to do this thing and sometimes it's hard to just do a thing. And so you're trying to kind of, you know, measure and balance both. Absolutely. Um, so the other really big thing is, you know, it's, <laughs> is, setting more realistic goals. And I understand that saying that is sort of vague. So like, it's kind of like, well, how, how do you set more realistic goals? Whatever you think you'll be able to do, cut it back, cut it way back. If you Let's have... give a quick analogy, doc. Like you were talking about like running, right? There's a really great book called, I think it's from like, from the couch to a 5k or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. And that book clearly doesn't tell you to get up and run a 5k off the couch. Right. You got to run like see how you do on a half mile of a slow trot. So if your goal is 5K, you know, your beginning goal might be just a little bit more like, hey, see if you can still do a singular lap around the track, per se, in a set time. Is that what that's what you're going for here? Yeah. Like that. Think about what your goal is. Right. Like just uh, sort of like instinctively. Right. Like I want to lose weight. Right. Or I want to like. I don't know, I want to, my partner's been really interested in an anal and I've been kind of anxious about it and avoiding it, but I want to try it too, right? It doesn't really matter what the goal is. And if it's like, That's all right, goal. well, I'm going to, let's say it's anal. I'm going to show up and I'm going to have this and that and we're going to do this thing being like, maybe we start about just talking more about anal. <laughs> like I stop avoiding conversations about it. Like You got it. Right, like just wherever your kind of instinct is around like, here's where I want to be, scale it back, like way back. The other thing is one goal at a time. I know that sounds overly simple, but we really, like a lot of times, you know, I've been talking about fitness just because it's a really common one. People are like, I need to diet and exercise. And I'm like, pick one, start with that, pick one. So if it's diet and exercise, don't try to do both, pick one. And, and then even within that one, starting small. And so, because again, everything can't be a priority. If everything's a priority, nothing is a priority. So in order to make something a priority, you just got to try to isolate something. And that doesn't mean, and once you get traction on that, okay, then start on what's next on your list. But unless you can get traction on one thing, then it's inadvisable to move on to more things. Uh, the other thing that I think is often really helpful is to think about how you're measuring progress, you'll often hear people talk about like set concrete goals rather than abstract goals. So an example of an abstract goal would be like, I want to get better at blank. Well, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> like, better. Yeah. Like, how are how are you actually measuring better? Right. So like, right, right. I'm approaching like I'm having 
more I'm I'm trying to have conversations if it's about sex, right? Like I'm having conversations with my part. I want to get better at talking about sex. Okay, well, what the hell does that mean? I want to be having conversations um, at least a couple times a month with my partner about our sexual relationship, right? That's more concrete. So that would be an example. Um, I I think that this one is often one of the harder things uh, for people to do when they measure change, though, is trying to remember that change is not linear, meaning that it doesn't tend to happen in this wonderful line that's like, and then I did this better, and then this was better, like, weight's a really good one to use, right? Like, and then I just kept losing weight, right? <laughs> like, and it right, went, I get what you're saying. It went in this, like, really convenient direction, or like, you and your partner, right? Like, and then the sex just kept getting better and better and better, and then we had no fallbacks and no setbacks. Right. Change right, isn't right. linear. It takes time. And a lot of times you're going to have periods of time in which you lose track of a, a thing and you might have to get back on track. And being realistic about that is important, especially if it's about a goal you're kind of monitoring in somebody else. I say this because this comes up a lot in couples therapy where someone has something they're a goal of a partner has or they have for a partner and they're really invested in it. And then when there's one setback, they're like, they are not even trying. Right. Right. I, right. Talk, I talk to people about measuring things more as a scatter plot than a line. Right. As long as the dots are trending in the right direction, you can have some that are falling off the grid a little, if that makes sense. Yes, Greg. Totally. I'm, I, I'm sorry. I just have a quick question. So kind of based on what you were talking about there, <clears throat> kind of like using weight as an example, like people are thinking, oh, my gosh, I have to lose weight. I have to lose weight. But then if they are starting the process, I knew people that weren't losing weight but they still looked better because in their mind, losing weight was the goal, but they may just be adding more muscle mass and be more toned. So they look better and they feel better. Does that translate also to like a, 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 like a relationship goal where you think it's one thing, but then as you start the process, it melds into something else that's just as positive, but you just didn't think, oh, this was the direction it was going to go in. Yeah. I mean, I think stuff like that happens all the time where people are like, this is the change that I want to see. And somebody makes efforts and then they're like, oh, I guess this wasn't exactly the change that I was shooting for, but this is good. <laughs> like, I like this, you know? So I think that that can come up in a lot of different ways. Usually part of what, you know, promotes like happier sort of healthier outcomes for people is just trying, is just continuing to try, right? To do something different than you did before. And it often leads to better outcomes. So yes, to your point. You want me to keep tracking here, Jeremiah? I can see that you're eager to get to this last part of the podcast, so. No, I'm really in it to win it. I feel great. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, well, uh, some of the other things, this is very hard, way easier said than done. But you have to, I mean, nobody has to do anything. I highly recommend celebrating the small victories, right? Like, and I mean that, and that sounds really cheesy, like, oh, celebrate the small victories. No, it's super important, right? I think it's super important. I totally agree with this, Doc. That's why, like, you know, say we use a diet analogy, like having a cheat day. Like, I made it six days and stuck to it like glue. On the seventh day, he rose again and had pizza. <laughs> like, that's a celebration, you know what right. I mean? Well, and I and I also think it's like celebrating it is giving yourself credit for it. You're talking a little bit more about reward, but you know that can be in oh, celebration. I mean, that can be in celebration, but celebrating it is like literally giving yourself credit for it. Like I, this comes up in therapy all the time, where someone will come in and they'll be like, "Oh, well, I was able to do that thing that we talked about last time," and I'm like, "Oh my god, that's so great, that's amazing." And then I might have somebody come back and go, "I mean." That's all I did, though. That's kind of pathetic, isn't it? And right, like, so there's this this sort of struggle that we often have, which is like letting something be enough, right? Like, let's makes, say- Makes total sense. Yeah, somebody goes to the gym and they, they get on the elliptical, but they really wanted to run and they're beating up on themselves because they didn't run and they only went on the elliptical or whatever. And it's like, yeah, you freaking showed up. Good job. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. It's like instead of sitting here and saying, like, I got to go to the gym six days a week and you made it twice a week for a month. Hey, that's a that's a win if you've not gone for years. Right. So I'm with you, Doc. Totally with you. Yeah. And that's you know, that's more of a practice. And sometimes it's hard to get out of that thinking space like somebody might, you know, 
somebody might really legitimately struggle with sort of that negative voice. And if you if you do, that kind of negative voice in your mind that's always telling you you're not good enough, maybe think about listening to the episode that we did on depression. Even if you don't struggle with depression, there's maybe some good tricks for navigating that because that can be a real killer in terms of progress on like intentions that people set and change that people want to make. One of the things that we often do, and I, I think this is a human issue, we often try to shame ourselves into wellness. We that often, doesn't work at all. Right. We often try to shame ourselves into a goal. If I'm just beat myself up enough about it, then I'm going to want to do it or I'll do it. It might work in the short term to get you to do something. If you're like, oh, I'm, I'm such a you know piece of shit and I need to blah, you know, maybe you'll get to do it one or twice, but it doesn't sustain in the long run. And so trying to get a better handle, that's where that self-compassion voice and that piece comes back in. Getting a better handle on that is really important. And some people struggle with that to varying degrees. And sometimes that struggle can be a very real barrier and following through on your intentions. Um, All right. So just a couple more. Jeremiah, you did bring up pizza. Um, if I take it out of, uh, you know, specifically diet or exercise, because I think we're talking about change and best intentions in general, but never underestimate the power of reward, even if small, right? So even though sometimes it feels like reward is for pets and children, um, it really is. It's not. It's, it's, it's not. for everybody. You got to pat yourself on the back. You got to give yourself a little reward, man. Right. I mean, come on, man. And reward can be like very simple and it can be very like, like, so for instance, uh, I remember when I was writing my dissertation, which was like this huge battle, there was this really specific TV show that I, Parks and Rec, it's great. I loved it. Um, and yes, yeah, Parks and Rec's fantastic. And I remember like really wanting to watch that show. And so instead I was like, well, I can watch that show if I get this much done. Right. And just using it as sort of like, like, that was my reward for work done. And it helps. It's a silly small thing, but it helped keep me that much more motivated to keep, you know, doing the work. No, nope, I'm with you, Doc. With my learning disability, you know, like I, I'll do it a lot. Like I'll be like, I got a lot of work to do. And then it'll start stressing me out. But I'm like, yeah, but if I just do 15 minutes, if I can get through like 15 minutes, then I can take five minutes to like scroll through Instagram reels about French bulldogs. Right. <laughs> It's great. You know, like I think anything like that, let's say you like love TikTok and you're like, I don't want to spend so much time on TikTok. Well, use TikTok as a reward, right? If I do this, you know, then I can watch TikTok for 30 minutes or whatever it is that sort of is reward. As long as the reward is not something that's like problematic in some kind of way, you know, if you're like struggling with addiction around like substances, maybe don't use it in that way. But that's probably not good. Yeah. But for the most part, reward can be meaningful. The other thing too. This feels cheesy, but just because something feels cheesy or silly doesn't mean it doesn't work. Sometimes creating visual representations of your progress can be super helpful, like seeing a thing. Like, so for instance, putting a calendar on your wall, let's say there's a behavior you're trying to engage in, buy some gold star stickers or something, right, where you actually track it. I have had so many clients be like resistant to doing that, and then they do it, and they come in, and they're like, all right, yeah, it's, I feel good when I put the sticker up. <laughs> and then, you know what I mean? And like, I can see the thing as it's changing and it helps motivate me to be like, look, I had five days in a row of whatever the behavior was that they were trying to engage in or five weeks. For sure. I think that's a great idea. Um, And then this is sort of the final, final kind of piece around this, right? But like this idea of like, if you're, if you're, we talked about accountability, that's really important, but like. If you're somebody that let's say, you know, I'm talking about it from the angle of like, you're the one that set a goal, but a really common dynamic is someone says that they have a goal. And just because this is a sex and relationship podcast, I think it's important to say sometimes people do in relationships, be mindful of like, if you tell somebody that you have a goal and part of the reason you're setting that goal is because they also want you to set that goal. And this happens a lot with sex. You might need to have some dialogues between the two of you about setting realistic expectations in terms of what that might look like. And if you're a partner of someone or you are expecting something of your partner, and you're like, ooh, my partner said that they wanted to have more sex. We'll just use that one. Super simple and frankly, a really common goal. My partner said they wanted to be more sexual and make sex more of a priority. All of that stuff that I just said, like you need to do for yourself, you also need to do for a partner. <laughs> That's be, all totally true. Give and take. 
being more compassionate, setting realistic expectations is what change might look like, right? Reminding yourself that like changes often like often are very small and they're very incremental. And I say this because, oh, I have done so many couples sessions in which someone's come in and there's something that they're partner is wanting them to do and they're like hey I did this thing and then their partner's like I mean yeah that's what I want you to do but like you didn't do all of this other stuff and they totally negate this effort and it's not because they're trying to be assholes and it's not because they're not good people but because a lot of times especially if resentment around something has built up what people don't often recognize as themselves is that what they want is big change right, what they want right. to feel is this big intense like noticeable change, right? Like parade through the living room style change. And so then it creates this setup for people in which person A that's trying to make change the behavior feels really discouraged because they're like, well, I tried and it wasn't good enough. And the other person is saying, well, I don't think you're trying. And it just, it creates tons of conflict. And I bet you I talk about it once a week like this dynamic and it comes up all the time. So being really thoughtful about this idea that like, if you're invested in someone else's change, you also need to set your expectations and pull them way back in terms of what change might look like because change is tiny and it's usually incremental. And every once in a while, some, someone can pull off a big bang kind of change, but that's rare. And you want to see small incremental change because it means that someone's getting there authentically and they're doing that, right? And it's not just for show. If you see big change suddenly overnight, it's harder to trust that type of change. That smaller incremental change that happens over time is the type of change that tends to last. And so just being thoughtful about that if you're invested in somebody else's change behaviors. All right. Well done, Doc. Well done. I uh, didn't learn anything personally because I'm already at a level. <laughs> but I think that this was really helpful for a lot of our listeners. Would you agree, Greg? Um, I actually, uh, um, picked up a few tidbits myself, so I'm not quite at the level of Nirvana that you have reached. So, um, so I think, yes, it was not everybody is, I know I it's know. okay. You forgive yourself. I you will you get know what I, I will. Thank excellent, you. Excellent. 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 Well, I think this is a great time to take a break and then we're going to come back with Jeremiah. I can't remember whatever. All right. We'll be right back. <laughs> And we're back here at the University of Pleasure. And it is now time for the segment that the doc loves to torture me with. And of course, brought Greg here to help in the process. So what is the name of this again? What's you know your... I don't like it. If I can't remember it, you know I don't like it. Okay? <laughs> and that's that's how my uh, life is in general. It's, like, it's interesting like somebody, where you give your people. attentional resources, Jeremiah. Um, this is <laughs> a segment just at the it's only once a season. It's once a season and it's called Was Jeremiah Listening? Was Jeremiah Listening? It, I yes. remembered. <laughs> Perfect. You got it. Perfect. See? There we go. Right. I win. Great. So I'm just gonna go down some of these, okay? And, you know, if if you don't get it right, there's no shame in that. Then it's just an opportunity for us to remind people. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. True or false? If someone is having struggles with low desire, they likely have hormonal issues. False. Yes. Correcting. <laughs> See, it's fun when you get them right, Jeremiah. Well, I love true or false because I got a 50-50 shot. All right. <laughs> <laughs> why why false? Do you remember why false? That wasn't no 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 hang on a second. That wasn't the question. The question was true or false. I said false. This is a bonus part. I got it right. There's no follow-up question. Four bonus points. Do you remember why that's false? Because there can be all kinds of reasons for low desire. Right? There can be uh, emotional reasons, not just like chemical imbalances, like, you know, uh exterior issues like with yeah, family yeah. you're right they're gonna be a lot we won't go any deeper <laughs> you can... <laughs> oh, right. so when i'm right i get sh i give, I gotta be quiet when I, I can't continue on 
more I, mean, I, I just been... more I just wanted to keep you on the track of a right answer, so I was just cutting <laughs> it off. <laughs> well played, Doc. Well played. So okay. yes, okay. there's a there's a desire is very multidynamic. Maybe for some people it might be because of a hormonal issue, but for many, many, many others it has nothing. It might not have much to do with hormones. It may as somebody ages, but it's likely intersecting with maybe a lot of other issues as well. So basically, the idea that low desire or desire in general, libido, desire, these are very complex things, and to only attribute it to something like hormones, which sometimes can happen, can sometimes be an overly simple simplistic explanation of desire. Okay. Okay. This is from our last episode, okay? Oh, God. The one on gift giving. So this was recent. What uh, is object of desire self-consciousness? What? This was last week, man. <laughs> <laughs> object right. of desire self-consciousness? You went on and on about how it and blew you your mind. it was... You thought it was the first time it had ever come up on the show and were incorrect then. So I would imagine that this may be a little tougher for you. What object, what is it called it came, again? Object of desire, self-consciousness. It came up when we were talking about buying people lingerie. Don't, okay, I got it, I got it. It was, even though I've never made this mistake, just to be clear for our audience, if somebody who is the object of my desire is not feeling good about themselves and say I went and bought them sexy lingerie and said, here, wear this. But if they're feeling self-conscious about themselves, that that lingerie may actually have a negative effect Am I right? Well, that's actually a good example. Yes, a little. Uh, 100%. So I'm 100% that, right. Okay. That's actually probably maybe more of an example of how object of desire self-consciousness could intersect with uh, an aspect of like sexuality. So object of desire self-consciousness really simply put is someone's sense of their own desirability. Not how desirable does someone else think they are. How desirable do they feel? Do they but that's what I said. They are. Okay. That's 100% what I said. Well, like if they weren't feeling attractive and I bought them something sexy and they didn't feel really great about it. See, I was right. I was right. It, it, I, I would say it's in there. It's there, was, there, there were a few extra spices in that answer. Um, but, but that's you how know, I make a souffle, the baby. Sauce was there. I'll give you, I'll give you half points. What? What? <laughs> okay. I totally had that right. All right. I'm giving you a true or false, man. All right. All right. Hit me. Hit me. I love these. True or false? If you are worried that a partner won't like or be into something you are wanting sexually, you should just wait for them to bring it up. False. Yes. Why? Well, for bonus. For bonus points. For bonus points. Well, first of all, you, you never know when somebody's going to want to bring something up, right? So... Like, you know, if you have something, I don't fucking know. Okay. You what? Know, I did, you're on the right but, track. Yeah. This is like, you totally know this. Well, because you can't, I mean, you can't expect somebody to just bring something up that you have a desire for. Like, you, just because you said it randomly one time doesn't mean they're going to remember. Or maybe there are other issues surrounding it. They don't want to bring it up. So if you have something that you're down for and, you know, you can't, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. No, that's perfect. That's exactly right, right? Like you have I to strive for perfection. Yeah, you have to be <laughs> You're vacillating between a lot of things here, Jeremiah. Um <laughs> extreme confidence and and not it's really but I'm following you with that and that is a correct answer. Um but yeah, like if you're you are responsible for sort of your own sexual wants and needs and if you're not bringing them up, waiting for someone else to bring them up, you may end up feeling like resentful and like you're not getting what you want and what you need and it also may not be fair to your partner so yes that was a really good answer jeremiah of course it was a good answer it was an amazing answer it was a perfect answer i am three for three just like everybody know uh, and i don't want to hear about that half points crap okay i had that right continue uh, sure um i'm glad that greg is here for this one the black dagger brotherhood series as featured with greg in greg reviews straight erotica is about what species of beings? Species of beings? What species? What uh, 
What what would be the language you would use, Greg? Who's it written about? Who's it written about? It's about and a this group. was the book. Oh, this is about this is this was the one that I was trying to help out the uh, the. I was trying to give some tips as to how it improve the story about vampires. Vampires. Is that what you said? That's I said vampires. Ding, ding, I was trying to improve the story. It's about vampires. Which, I by do... the way, I'm still waiting for her to give me a contact, uh, and, yeah. uh, and well, I'm going to help her. I'm going to help her zhuzh it up. I am sure she appreciates your suggestions to help a book you did not read. So I'm well, I'm sure she's going to. I'm an ideas man. Okay. True or false? If someone likes to be dominant in their day to day life, they more than likely enjoy being dominant sexually. Oh, that's totally false. Say more. Yes, correct. Well, because just because somebody, I mean, somebody could be like a hardcore lawyer by day and totally dominant. And at night, the last thing they want to be is dominant in the bedroom and they might want to be dominated or more neutral. But, right? Yes, exactly. Making assumptions based on how someone is in their day to day life versus what they would like and how what they would like sexually can often be ill advised because ill advised. People, yes. Excellent. All right. God, I'm crushing this year. Huh? You are crushing, I'm crushing it. it. You are crushing it. Um, Stop, guys. Tell me more. See, true or false? See, you don't want to do these things, but we, you, you set yourself up to succeed just by being here. See, you well, see about there that. There it is. Uh, true or false? If someone engages in infidelity, they are more than likely a sex addict. False. Come on, what? I mean, that's a. I mean, that that that's such a softball question. I could have answered that in the eighth grade. Come on, Doc. <laughs> I know, but it's a good reminder, right? <laughs> They're absolutely not sex addicts. People engage in infidelity for, as I've learned through you, for many, many, many reasons, um, far more than we could ever list in one to 20 episodes uh, for emotional reasons, for frustration, for whatever, it very not have anything to do with being a sex addict. I mean, it might might be one of the millions of reasons, but well, no. you know what? Next season, we're going to talk about the intense debate around even the idea of sex addiction. So we will talk yeah. about that next season. I always think about you want to think of sex addiction. All I can ever think of is a Will Ferrell movie, uh, Blades of Glory, where he's like, "I'm a sex addict. It's real with real doctors and everything." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Continue. There's sex addiction is a hotly debated and very complex topic, and we should do an episode on it next season. I look forward Great. to that episode. All right. We only have two more left. Okay, Ooh, I did throw okay. some softballs in there just because you know what are, I didn't want to be accused. Good last, about season, last season, you accused me of being too too aggressive in my questioning. So I just you know I didn't. Well, you can be aggressive. Okay. <laughs> what are this is not a true or false? Okay. What are some symptoms of depression? Hmm. We did whole. We've done a number of mental health episodes this year. Yes. So. Um. There is sadness that's due to things like, uh, uh, you know, like you can be sad because you watch a sad movie and that sort of thing. But like a good uh, thing for like depression are things like um, uh, you said symptoms, right? Like yeah. So like what of... would be symptoms? So sadness is a symptom. What would be some other symptoms? Yeah. But there's like surface level sadness of like watching a sad movie yeah. like so I was just... saying. But then but like if it's sadness that continues over time and you're yeah. feeling continuously sad and can't quite put your finger on why that might be so a like reason chronic yeah. chronic sadness yep that's there you go and then also um a lot of times i think we talked about like withdrawing like people that withdraw mm -hmm. themselves for long periods of time or struggle to get out of bed in the morning struggle to like do a daily routine can all be like like you know feeling so sad that they struggle to get out of bed in the morning, struggle to brush their teeth, struggle to, you know, and then again, uh, not spend time with their friends, you know, mm -hmm. not, uh, you know, come out very often. And, you know, th those were all signs. Am I close? Yeah, those are some. Yep, those are some of them. Greg, any you throw in? I'd say, like, tiredness. Um, I would say even some people, it manifests like there's physical, mm -hmm. like, pain that uh that can manifest from uh from depression um yeah i'm trying to think yeah. what else yeah um one of the ones kind of one of the less common talked about ones is irritability 
right? Irritability, uh, apathy, so just not caring at all. Maybe you're not particularly sad, but you don't really care, generally speaking. Another one is loss of pleasure, loss of focus, attention, difficulty concentrating. Those would be some of the more common symptoms. Okay, last question, Jeremiah. All right. How many stickers are appropriate to use on an Instagram post? What the hell? (laughs) Get out of here with that question. You know, my (laughs) sticker use for the social media that I work so diligently on, and then you trashed it in an episode. I mean... I didn't trash it. I suggested that maybe... You said one sticker. That's absurd. You are correct. Nobody says one. Nobody uses one sticker. There was sincerely... Less more. Huh? Less can be more. Less can be more. We were getting in used car sales ads and you know i do know you love wrestling but like sunday sunday Sunday, no what is it uh, monster truck rally level (laughs) how how dare you how very dare you i come from a long line of car salesmen actually (laughs) (laughs) this is not a dig on car salesman i'm talking about the ads yeah. Okay. All right. Look, have you noticed? I was. I did. I pulled. I, I have seen you pull back. Good. I, I pulled back. It. I pulled back. But you just know that now I'm insecure. Okay. You <laughs> made me insecure about my incredible sticker usage for Instagram to let all of our fans know that they can listen for free to the University of Pleasure on our website, and they don't even need to pay for a streaming service. So there you go that's what i was trying to get at i i'm, I'm almost positive i know which one this is that you were that, that you randomly looked at that one random no, time there's been several greg has <laughs> something to say well how dare you what I'm thinking is if you know the whole point is to make sure that we remind people to watch and to, or to watch to listen and you use all these stickers maybe you just use one sticker one day, and then maybe a couple days later, throw out another post with a different sticker. Oh, yes. Post with so so you get to use all of the stickers that you want, <sighs> just not all at once. Because I'm just there, I'm... sometimes it's just a little, it's a little too much to take in, like you know, <laughs> like like a strobe light for an epileptic patient. It's not always good. Okay, okay. First of all. None of you know social media like I do. Okay, I'm an expert. Okay, okay. True. You're an influencer. I'm an influencer. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you say that in jest? Okay. <laughs> Fine, but I would just like to make it known. I remembered it was only one. I got a hundred percent. You did get a hundred percent. We. I'm gonna give you. Uh, credit enough for object of desire, self-consciousness. But you never see why were you so uh, salty about this? You did very well. Yeah, I did well because I just, you know what? I don't know. I feel like this was rigged. Yes. I, I feel like I shouldn't have known as much as I did. I feel like you, are, that somehow this where's, is a setup to be like, remember trust, Jeremiah? Jeremiah when we did the last time and I gave you all those softball answers? <laughs> like, I feel like you're setting me up somehow. Where is that, the like, trust? I'm going to feel so good going into season two and I'm going to be destroyed when we get to this next time. Like, I just feel it coming. I think there's think like how great this was compared to the last time. So reward yourself for the change that you are, your listening skills are getting better season after season. Full Listen, circle. let me tell you something right now. I got no problem rewarding myself at all. I pat myself on the back all the time. I'm yeah. humble enough as we a person. We could do an epic supercut that lasts several hours with proof of that concept in, in terms yes. of belief in it. So... But I'm well, that excited. does it for us this season, <laughs> folks. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we got to go. <laughs> well, we got to get moving here. It enough. is. We'll what was that, Doc? We will be taking a much-needed break from one another. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. But I will say I will miss seeing you, Doc. I really do love sitting down and uh, doing this podcast with you, and I love having my best friend and husband of 21 years a part of it as well. And, uh, you know, the feedback that we get from all of our listeners out there saying that it helps people is why we continue to do this, and it really does feel great. And so thank you to all of our listeners for all of Season 2 and for Season 1. 
and all of our episodes are free. You can go back and listen to any of them you like. There are no fees. You can go right to our website, universityofpleasure.com, and listen to all of our past episodes for free. And hopefully there are things in there that help you if you're a new listener. So I want to just say thanks again, Doc, for having me be a part of this. Thank you, Greg, our roving correspondent goes nowhere. Doc, thank you for all that you do for so many all the time. And now uh, I would like to impart a little wisdom on you. You work real hard, Doc. Go and enjoy a really wonderful holiday vacation. Take a breather. Take some time for you, okay? And reward yourself. And just remember that the self-help guru Jeremiah told you it was okay, that you can <laughs> relax and enjoy yourself, okay? So, have a wonderful holiday season. Bye, Doc. Bye. Bye, Greg. Bye, Greg. Bye. We'll see you all in season two. Three. 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 <laughs> okay. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. And special thanks to our new associate producer, Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. <laughs>